so you hear things and see things that aren't there. Okay, well maybe I got thrown off with the with the audio because I was saying uh, if I'm asking myself a question. Well, no, you would things. you would hear a weird voice in your head asking you a question that isn't there. Right, which is me. I'm the weird voice in my own head. No, I think that's me is really the answer. Uh, you are the weird voice in everyone's head now. Be bright. Well, this will all be cut out. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to There Will Be Spoilers, episode 83, Titanic. I am Matt Bazell. And I am Ethan Knight. And this was a bit of a long one. Uh, yeah, a bit, you think? <laughs> it's a three hours and 15 minute runtime. Yes. To be fair, eight minutes of that is credits, but still, that's an over three hour long movie. It was two cassette tapes back in the day. That's right. I remember mm-hmm. that. Two VHS tapes. Yep. I had never seen it before, but I did know that about it, oddly enough. In fact, the extent of my knowledge about Titanic before I had seen this last night was that Britney Spears, Oops, I Did It Again music video. Wow. Well, <laughs> I can't believe really you've never seen this Really dating myself movie. there. I know, right? No, no, absolutely. I've never seen it. I had no idea there was a frame narrative or anything. Oh, man. Well, Matt, uh, in light of our Patreon conversation last week, I'm sure that you won't have good things to say about this film. 100% sure. You're 100% sure I won't have good things to say? Why do you say that? Well, because this film is absolutely nothing but an Oscar grab. Nothing. And some showy effects. Well, those showy effects don't really have an effect, let's say, because it's 1997 when they're doing it. Hey, I think it it still looks pretty good. It doesn't look good like Jurassic Park did. No, it doesn't look quite that good. But it still is pretty impressive in a lot of places. Why don't we save this conversation for our three questions, and why don't we instead turn to our synopsis? Titanic is the story of Rose, told through a framing narrative in which treasure hunters discover a nude drawing of her on the wreck of the Titanic wearing a priceless diamond. They fly her to their boat, and she tells them her story. At 17, she's an unhappy first-class passenger engaged to a pompous man named Cal, played by Billy Zane. Her mother makes it clear that her marriage will fix their monetary problems and pushes Rose to conform to the standards and norms expected of her. Disgusted with the high life, Rose attempts suicide by flinging herself off the ship. Jack, a young drifter who won third-class tickets to the Titanic in a card game at the 11th hour, sees her and convinces her not to do it. When they're discovered, however, it looks less than kosher, and Jack and Rose make up a story to cover it. Rose encourages Cal to invite Jack to a first-class dinner, which he attends and sticks out like a sore thumb, but gets along okay. Afterward, Jack brings Rose secretly to a third-class party, where she has the time of her life with him. It becomes clear that though they are from different social circles, the two are falling in love. Rose allows Jack to draw her naked, and they're chased throughout the ship by jealous Cal's evil bodyguard. They have sex in the cargo hold as the ship hits the iceberg. Jack is caught and framed for stealing the heart of the ocean as the ship begins to go down and is chained to a pole in the lower decks. Rose races to find and save him as the lower decks fill up with water. In a temporary truce, Cal and Jack get Rose on a lifeboat and she flees at the last second to be with Jack. 
Cal weasels his way onto a lifeboat, and Jack and Rose deal with the rapidly and terrifyingly sinking ship. They land in the water, and Rose clings to a piece of wood while Jack floats next to it. Soon, he dies, and Rose is eventually saved by a lifeboat. On the Carpathia, Rose evades Cal by giving her last name as Dawson, and realizes that the coat he put on her much earlier contains the diamond! As we return to the present, the treasure hunters decide to give up the search, changed by Rose's story, because Rose does not tell them about the diamond, which she still has. She leaves her room that night, drops it in the ocean, and then dies in her sleep, where she's reunited on the staircase of the Titanic with Jack and all the other dead people. Does she die in her sleep? Uh, it's implied, I think. Okay, I guess I missed that. I was also... It was late, and I was pretty zoned out by that point. Yeah. I thought she was just having sort of halcyon dreams about about her time aboard the Titanic and sort of imagining this situation. But I think you're right. It probably is better if she is dying because she finally commits her heart back to the ocean. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So that was a good synopsis. I like the voice you did, Ethan. Well, it's so sensational and so sentimental that I had to, I had to do that. This was not... A film that I sat wrapped through, right? I got up seven or eight or nine times because it was difficult to sit through some of these sections because you sort of know where this is playing out and how it's going. Oh, I disagree. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that this movie is, and Olivia pointed this out very well too, That and she and I love this movie. This is a, I love this movie very much. It's, it's a great watch. I, every time I watch it, especially the end, it's like, wah! But, uh, but it is nothing but a, but an Oscar grab. I have difficulty with that maybe because everyone knows what happens to Titanic. And there's not a whole lot of room for really surprising dramatics because we do have to walk through a certain number of steps. Well, it's, it's, very, it's very much Romeo and Juliet in that, that you get the ending to Romeo and Juliet and it's like the first line. Well, that's how Cameron pitched it to Fox. He said, it's Romeo and Juliet on the Titanic. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we'll buy it. And it's a good thing they did because it made them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned that they find what kind of kicks this whole thing off, the actual events of Rose recalling the story, is they find a new drawing of her done by Jack. And I saw that and I said, see, kids, never never pays to have naked selfies. They'll, they'll surface, literally. That's true, naked selfies. Luckily, I don't send any naked selfies anymore you mean i keep getting all yours and it's like ethan come on Uh uh-oh matt you know you love my buns let let's move on i want to start with our pivotal scene and i think this is something i'm transitioning towards more now because i think it helps set up our thematization of the film there's only one scene you can pick matt Uh, i didn't pick it what scene did you pick matt i picked one that actually had more thematic resonance that was underlying as opposed to the overt stuff. So the pivotal scene that I picked was after Rose is gallivanting with Jack in third class in steerage where they're down there having the party and it's a totally rad party. And she goes to breakfast the next morning and Cal's like, Hey, I know you were doing that. And he like flips shit and knocks the table over and starts yelling at her and about the duties of women and wives and stuff like that. And then the very next scene is her mother tightening her, her corset and telling her about her place and how they have wealth, or they did, all they have is reputation now. It's just an illusion of wealth, right? He has, her father, her, her late father, has a good name that erases or hides their bad debts. I think this really 
takes into focus the real themes of this film that are not the the spectacular overarching one. These are the more subdued ones. Like there are two statements about slavery in this film and they're both wildly inappropriate true because both are said by white individuals that have a lot of privilege even jack who is like you say something of a drifter he has a lot more privilege than a slave does yes the first one is said by rose herself she says she feels like she's a slave and is being brought to america in chains that statement by the whitest, most wealthy person, I said, oh, God, really? To talk about the middle passage in that manner. Yeah, I will give her this, though. She is essentially a sex slave, which is pretty bad she, as well. She has a bad situation, but it is not as Oh, no, it's bad. not worse than actual slavery, but sex slavery yeah. is, is pretty close. Oh, absolutely. I mean, sex slaves are not lavishly given gifts True. and are pampered. Right. So there is some difference involved. But so that really set me off. And then when Jack leaves the fancy dinner and says, I need to go back below deck to row with the rest of the slaves. It's like, okay, yeah. you guys, that's twice now. Stop it. James Cameron, cut your shit. It's yeah, not good. a little much. I don't disagree with your pivotal scene. I mean, I would have gone the, just the scene before when she decides to actually go down to... Actually, Olivia told me that that's the scene that should be the pivotal scene. So I guess I should credit her. Well, I guess they're both kind of involved with one another. Yeah, you chose well. I thought maybe you would choose something bizarre. No, I just didn't want to pick the spectacular scenes, or I wanted to pick the one that most appropriately stated its theme. This is the only time you really hear them talk in plain terms about the predicament with money and wealth and appearance and bloodlines. Yeah. And so I kind of like that. So why don't we give that a listen real quick, and then we'll be back. Exertions below decks were no doubt exhausting. I see you had that undertaker of a manservant follow me. How typical. You will never behave like that again, Rose. Do you understand? I'm not a foreman in one of your mills that you can command. I'm your fiancé. Fiancé? My fiancé! Yes, you are! And my practice if not yet by law so you will honor me you will honor me the way a wife is required to honor her husband because i will not be made out of fool rose is this in any way unclear no good excuse me not to see that boy again. Do you understand me? Rose, I forbid it. Oh, stop it, Mother. You'll give yourself a nosebleed. 
This is not a game. Our situation is precarious. You know the money's gone. Of course I know it's gone. You remind me every day. Your father left us nothing but a legacy of bad debts hidden by a good name. That name is the only card we have to play. I don't understand you. It is a fine match with Hockley. It will ensure our survival. How can you put this on my shoulders? Why are you being so selfish? I'm being selfish. Do you want to see me working as a seamstress? Is that what you want? To see our fine things sold at auction? Our memories scattered to the winds. It's so unfair. Of course it's unfair. We're women. Our choices are never easy. Okay, so you can't see it, but Rose's mother, Ruth, is tightening her corset or corset behind her, which really just brings the metaphor to the visual level, right? You are being constrained, restrained, being forced into a box to fit the, the eyes of the man, right? So we're really getting this all coming through very well here. So I think I, I like that. I thought it was a little smart nuance. The scene had originally been that Rose was tightening her mother's corset, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense given their thematic disposition toward one another. And so I really like that they made that change. And I think Kate Winslet actually requested that with Cameron, and so they, they made that change. It is heavy-handed, though. Don't get me wrong. I love this film, but it's heavy-handed. It's not so heavy-handed in the sense that they say, look, I'm tightening your corset, which is representative of your place in society, right? So they just have their talk. And it's a very straightforward talk. And I think for whatever reason, I was just receptive to that. Maybe maybe because it was earlier in the film. It's only about an hour in. So you haven't been run down by the runtime of the film. And this film is really two films. This film is a terrible adventure story about the sinking of the Titanic. And it's also a cheesy, sensational, sentimental love story. It's two things. You're right. I agree. It's a very sentimental, cheesy romance that is kind of cringeworthy at times. Yes, because you you could have this love story. This is a love story as old as as love stories. It's star-crossed lovers. One one you know the kid from the bad side of the tracks. This is Lady and the Tramp. The you know it's all the it, it's been done a thousand times. <laughs> as as old as Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> well, I mean that's just the one that just jumped to my mind. But it's the you know you, it's you, you mentioned Romeo and Juliet earlier, and you went to Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, I think that's a a good. Uh, a good example because you can have because you can have this film with cartoon dogs it's just sure. on the titanic well if i could butt in real quick speaking of romeo and juliet dicaprio was in that romeo and juliet of the year before sure. and winslet was in the hamlet of the year before yep. i think the hamlet was a far better film than the romeo and juliet one that was the romeo and juliet one where they have like guns and yeah i love that one 
Uh, it's okay. I like the Hamlet. That's the Kenneth Branagh one, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't much the, actually the secret, care. I don't... Secret Mansions. Well, I like Hamlet a lot more than Romeo and Juliet, and so maybe I'm more receptive to that one. I thought it was a good Hamlet and an okay Romeo and Juliet. Uh, yeah, it's a good... I would agree that it's an okay Hamlet and a great Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> I feel like you reversed those on me there. Yeah, no, I, that's what you said, right, Matt? So, Ethan, why don't you drag us around, or have us come around, as they say aboard ships, to our themes for this film we've already i've brought up some of these themes here the clearly most prominent one is star-crossed lovers we've already hit that mm-hmm. let's throw that one off the, off overboard off the boat off yeah the let's boat. just throw it out there and have it die a frozen death a frigid cold lifeless godless some would say death in the waters below um yeah you know this film is pretty heavy-handed so like this stuff is not there is no depth here into these themes but we have to talk about weird because it's about the ocean which has a, a lot, lot of depth. depth right well it's the illusion of depth really mm, yeah because they're just in an olympic swimming pool the entire time exactly it's all an illusion right illusions mm. michael illusions they, they only had one side of the ship so they had to reverse a bunch of the shots i know and so when people are waving they're like man there's a lot of left-handed people in this film nope they're just reversing a bunch of shots yep we have to talk about the sensationalism and the sentimentalism I, those are extremely important I mean, I guess it's a—it's not even really a theme, but it's the genre of this film that I think is important because what you go to this movie to see Kate Winslet naked and Leonardo DiCaprio bang her and the Titanic. Well, it's funny because you don't actually see that. Well, you right. see, you do see her topless for a little bit, and that's the most erotic moment of her life up to that point. She says yes, and then they have sex in the car, and you just see like her handprint, foggy yeah. handprint, which is such a trope we wanna, I want to return to. But yeah, so you're right. It is about spectacle. Yes, it's all about spectacle. It's completely about that, and about the sort of sentimental love story intertwined with the sensational ship sinking. And you go to see the Titanic sink. I mean, that's more than half the film is the filling up with water and people falling off of it and it cracking in half. And when the they deep. actually struck the iceberg, I was surprised at how early on in the film that happened. I was mm-hmm. like, whoa. It's almost like they tried to do a real time because it took, what, two and a half hours for the Titanic to sink after it struck? I think so. Something like that. At least that's what they say in the film. And so I wonder if. Because this film was originally much longer. God, how could it and be any longer? You, you hear about all the missing scenes. Well, like, they had a lot more storylines and subplots going on throughout the film. So this would have been, like, close to a four-hour film, I think. Jesus it's Christ. crazy, all the stuff they cut. And honestly, I think they could cut a whole lot more. If you want to focus on the love story, which I think is what the film really needs to be about, if Rose is the main character and the Titanic's not the main character. Right then you should cut out all these other the, the the texture of other people suffering other people dealing with the crisis is important but they really say like okay we need to have 27 different viewpoints of this this catastrophe right and that's a very different film and would be not an oscar grab i mean the reason that this is an oscar grab is because it's not really i mean in a lot of ways yeah it's about and this is the final theme that i was going to talk about is is class it has to do with class and i guess sex is wrapped up in that or gender is wrapped up in that as well but it's about class but not not really it's really a love story and the right. class i mean it, 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 as your pivotal scene has shown us i mean they do grapple with this a bit but that's really just there to create it feels like conflict. it's there just to be texture yeah and to be to add, add conflict yeah so these titanic sinking this titanic scenes of suffering that is the spectacle right of one of your themes you brought up it's, yeah it's them trying to deal with that on a sensational level 
without really getting too far into it, you know, without really giving real weight to the the events of the sinking and giving these people enough humanity for us to feel really bad about them. When people are dying, we're like, okay, whatever. And I didn't even realize until I was recording the audio for the pivotal scene that Miss Trudy, the maid, she dies toward the end of the film when the Titanic, the back of it, is pushing up into the air oh, at that super high she degree. Fall? A guy says, hold on, Miss Trudy, and he lets her go, and oh. she falls and dies. Whoops. I didn't even realize that. And so they never really tried to humanize anyone besides Rose and Jack and the other main, really more secondary characters. Right, because if this is an ensemble film about actually about class and all that bullshit on the Titanic, then... Then you'd have Tommy... He would be and Fabrizio would be far greater characters than how they show up and just disappear. Like there's a moment where Fabrizio takes his knife out, which okay stereotype, takes his knife out and tries to cut all the ropes up from the rigging to free the the lifeboats as they're being swamped yes. and really flooded and and so it, that seems like a selfless moment for him, but they never really dig into it. And they said there's supposed to be a scene where Cal knocks him off the the lifeboat oh. as he's doing to other people. And Fabrizio's pleading with him and saying, no, it's my destiny to go to America. And he says, he knocks him off and says, it's that way. Uh -uh. It would have been a good scene, but I feel like Fabrizio is only in the film because they were in scenes that DiCaprio was doing things that were important to the plot and they could not cut and, around Well, him. and you need a brown sidekick. I mean, it's he's a racist caricature. You need a brown sidekick for good old white smiling Leo. I thought we were watching um, Night at the Opera again with the way his, his Italian was. So, <laughs> Also, I want to bring this up. This doesn't have a good place to go anywhere in the podcast, so I'm just going to say it. I got like so many vibes of different video games in this movie, and I think that's a result of how impactful it was for a lot of people, but this movie has Bioshock written all over it. You know, the flooded oh, yeah, I guess so. turn of the century place. Also, at one point, they run away from electrified water, which is a thing you literally do in Uncharted 3. Oh, yeah. And then Jack teaching Rose to spit is a lot like Final Fantasy X. Oh, the whistling. The, the whistling. Yep, see, you got it. So I got that, and I was like, wow, I'm such a nerd. But at the same time, I feel like it's important. I mean, yeah, it was. I mean, it's the popularity here of this story and it's because it's a generic story it has no real it doesn't tell us anything new or anything really interesting it's mm -hmm. pure sentimentalism poor boy teaches young girl who's rich how to live it's just fluff right it's a marshmallow it is it's it's, it's a marshmallow there's nothing inside it really it's just all kind of it's all just kind of fluff well why don't we give our theses about this fluff and see what we were able to really write in ourselves i guess sure if you follow your heart rather than your head the world will open up before you and you will live happily ever after even if your boyfriend's dad yeah even if you're if your boyfriend which i guess would have become her husband because she takes his name so there's there already she is still interesting we're talking about class she already does subject herself again she takes the name of another man to hide from another man right so yeah. her salvation is not ultimately herself in that moment it is again jack she needs a man to save her from a man well yeah but jack's dead i mean she let him die that's true and so she yeah. stole his name well, i mean i don't know that he i don't know if she let him die it thematically he could not have lived 
he was doing everything he could to save her. Mythbusters proved otherwise they both could have survived. And I think I think Rose wants somebody. What's her name that plays Rose? That I I love her. Winslet. Uh, yeah, Kate Winslet. I think Kate Winslet said recently in an interview, she's like, oh yeah, there was room on that door. So that so if Kate Winslet's saying that and that was an acting choice that she was playing it that way as though I and mean, regardless of whether oh, or not I it's see. in the I script. See what you're saying. But it, right, if she as an actress decided that her character knew that you could fit on the door. Well, James Cameron was on that Mythbusters episode, and he admitted that he should have made the door smaller. Yeah. And he should have done a couple things to service the fact that there was no way for Jack to survive. There's no way for them both to survive. But sounds like Winslet may have had some different ideas. Yeah, too little, too late, James Cameron. Uh, That's not in the script, buddy. Well, he did like this re-release and only changed like one thing, and it was the the stars because Neil deGrasse Tyson said they were wrong. Yep. And you got to do what Neil deGrasse Tyson tells you to do. Well, he wouldn't shut up about it, apparently. So I told him like four times. Well, let me give you my thesis. Tell me. Mine's a little cheeky. I said class and appearance are interrelated and they're pervasive, right? Jack is is noted. He's marked as a drifter and then he's marked as a gentleman. No one can tell the difference because it all has to do with appearance. But everything dissolves easily in water. Oh, everything dissolves in water. Because you can't tell between the first class and the steerage when they're all dead ice bodies. Yeah, I mean, that's the undertone of class in this film. You're right, that in the end, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you're still dead. And so that so class is bullshit, like it's all made up. Although we still should say an interesting point here is that first class were loaded on the boats first, but it was women and children as well, so it's a gendered and classed thing. Right, but I really do think that there's barely i mean there's like nothing really there about you're right no it's true but it is important to know and i think that that's what they were trying to get at it yeah i mean very like they were ostensibly trying Mm -hmm. now i have to put it out there i love this movie don't dear listener do not get me wrong i love this fucking movie but you got i mean if we're gonna actually be critical of what's going on here this is what it is. This movie is great. It tugs at your heartstrings. It's horrifying at the end. Oh, they're in love. It's great. Kate Winslet, boobies, you know, the whole thing. But no, it, I mean, it's not, it won all these Oscars for, you know, because it you they put the right places, pieces in the right spot at the right time. And it had a crazy CGI Titanic and people feel strongly about the Titanic. Well, Ethan, why don't we move to our three questions? Because I feel like we're bordering on all of these things now. So when I ask you the question, do you care about this film? I think you've already sort of answered it, but can you put a finer point on it for us? Yeah. Oh, no, I do care about this film. And it was, and, and it's, again, it's a great film to watch as long as we aren't going to pretend that it's a high art plunging. A critical masterpiece or something. Yeah, it's not a critical masterpiece. It just is a lot of spectacle and was wildly popular. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I I do care about this film. I don't think I had quite the same enjoyment of it in the moment that you did. There were some things about the technical aspects I really liked. Just seeing water rushing into everywhere on this ship or these sets, really, and seeing all the things they had to do to make that happen, I was really impressed by that. I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, And there's something about just like a sinking ship full of water, you know, bringing water in places it, you know, often is not, I think is pretty neat. And that is why I'm announcing my GoFundMe page where I'm going to make a water park that is just a Titanic. And every two and a half hours, it will it will, you know, be in the process of sinking, then fully sink, and then it'll reset. And you too can experience the Titanic 
It's going to be very exorbitantly expensive. Uh, I will have no liability whatsoever. If right. You People are going to die. It's a and, terrible and idea. Well, you know, let the people decide for themselves. Okay. Vote with your money, folks. Wow. But anyway, I, I do care about it for a lot of those aspects. I wasn't as engaged with the story. And I think that's a result of our second question. So if we can just segue there in that, what do we owe? I'm going to ask myself that question, then answer it. So what do we owe this film? I think the tropes, the tropes, they're everywhere. I had never seen this film, knew nothing about it beyond the rough outline of the plot, simply because it's been done so many times, so many places. It's been told again and again in parody and satire, in deadly earnest. So you know Jack dies at the end. But I wasn't prepared for like the handprint stuff and they're, they're the, the railing thing, of course, you know about. But this has been a huge influence. I mentioned earlier in the episode all the video games that sort of took this mantle up. I think Bioshock very clearly wears its inspiration on its sleeve for this. But this is all over the place. So what do you think? Well, really what we owe this film is the increasing spectacular blockbuster bullshit like that's true these too, movies yeah. that cost millions and millions of dollars to make and it's you know and now you get the avengers which is just a basically a cartoon and you can't even tell what's happening because it's in this vein of make a big cgi thing that everyone is like whoa ah, and you don't, a sacrifice of story too yeah you, you need know? no there's no substance you don't need any substance but you have a ton of spectacle you'll make a shit ton of money and everyone's always trying to because for years titanic was the most it made the most money uh and it's a, it's a uh marker so it was only replaced by avatar, avatar another james cameron film which i haven't seen should i see that uh yeah, you should watch it. Now, it's not great. It's the same thing. It's a story that has been told a million times, but in it, it's got aliens. It's like Pocahontas with aliens, Yeah, it's right? Pocahontas with aliens, but it's cool. It's worth a watch. It's not. Okay. I mean, they're making a Disney theme park about it, which is insane because are you fucking kidding me? It's not a great movie. It's just good. It's good. Well, it's the landscape, I think. It's the background. So they're, they're really looking for that. Yeah, James Cameron is just full of atmosphere. shit. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know the man personally. Ugh, I just have such disdain for him. You took a more negative bent on what we owe this film, and I think I covered the positives. And I think it is a mixed bag in a lot of ways. But that just goes to show how important and maybe polarizing this has been because it has led to a lot of consequences, both good and ill. Yeah, sure. So the last question I have is, does this film hold up? And I feel like I know where you're going to go, and I might take a different path. So what do you got? I think it holds up pretty well in terms of the visual stuff in general. I mean, it's a little dated in places, but in general, I was kind of surprised at how, how good it still looked. I don't think it looks that good because of Jurassic Park. Because I've seen Jurassic Park, a contemporary film, do this much better. And Titanic was like, oh, man, these things don't look right. And it's a little too uncanny for me. I think the biggest one was right after the Titanic hits the iceberg that you go down to the boiler room and you see these people on a platform doing things. You see people in the background doing things. And it's very clear what is the real set. And then what is the CGI background? Yeah. And I said, that's just a poor use of that. And then the, the whole room itself they are it's a mirrored hallway 
So if you look maybe 10 feet down that scene, you can see the exact same things happening because it's the same people doing it because they've just done an optical illusion. Yeah. So those kinds of things don't hold up very well for me. I think the acting doesn't hold up super well because oh, it's, it is that it's, hammy over the it's top. It's so hammy. I, you know, I didn't remember how hammy it was. And I was like, there. Uh, maybe it's just because I saw it in HD. Wow, very British of you. Yeah, I know. Um, maybe because I watched it on my giant HD TV, which I got for Christmas. Thanks. Thanks, Mom. Oh, a little shout out to your mother there. Right. Now, she doesn't even know how to listen to a podcast. So Okay. <laughs> now, a shout at your mother? Yeah, I don't even think she knows what a podcast is. Watching it on the TV, I was kind of like, oh, my God. They're, like, hamming it up. But it goes – it fits with the story. And it fits with the whole point that, you know, it's not – this is not a, a the great American story with, you know – this isn't Moby Dick. Well, it's now the great American story, right? The modern great American story in that our sort of pessimistic understanding of modern film in that it is fluff, it lacks depth, and it's just really, really shiny. Yeah, and thanks, James Cameron, you son of a bitch. Thanks, James Cameron. Ruined our country. You ruined our country. James Cameron. Fuck you, James Cameron. I'm calling him Cameron. out. He's got a Twitter? Let's at him. You ruined our country. You ruined our country. Fuck you, James Cameron. No, I love no, this James movie. Cameron, Thank you, James if you, Cameron. No, James Cameron, if you are listening to this, which I sincerely doubt, uh, I appreciate the film. I do want to cover some little bits that I think are left over, and I think this does dovetail a little bit with this does this hold up. Elements of the plot that I really thought were disingenuous. The first one being Cal slipping the heart of the sea into Jack's pocket. Oh, yeah, he would never do that shit. Because he's in the moment, and he's about to rip up the, the new drawing, which seeing that is like, man, that's a big F you from Rose, right? That's like sending someone a picture of you having sex with not the person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's such a horrible thing. Like, it's a visceral feeling, and how Cal doesn't, and he, we already know he's kind of, a loose cannon we've seen two things of him do this already and he does a third one he goes after them with a gun the fact he doesn't rip that up and just go into like a blood rage is ridiculous the fact that he goes no i have a better plan it's like no that wouldn't you would not have you are not that kind of person and then the other thing <laughs> that really bugs me is that she's got this damn necklace her entire life that's worth increasingly more money as it goes on and then she's like, I'm going to drop this in the ocean because, I don't know, fuck my granddaughter. Oh, yeah. Well, no, she's rich anyway, though. Is she? Yeah. What do you think? She's She's got all that stuff. She Those pictures at the end where you see her, she's, like, doing shit. She's rich. Okay, I, I guess. I mean, I thought that was, like, her with all the suitcases was just, like, calling back to this is how she is as a, a young woman. I think maybe a little bit. And she's just a quirky old lady. That's true. The thing is that... That necklace does not stand in for Jack. It is a stand-in for Cal. Cal gives it to her. It is Cal's dirty money. That necklace, that's her chain. That's Cal's slavery or indentured servitude of herself. And the fact that she holds on to it the entire time is not, should not be a, or I'm saying would not in reality, be a marker of Jack or remembrance of Jack. It'd be a remembrance of Cal. And her freedom. I mean, it's a big fuck you, I won. Thanks for making me the heart of the ocean, Jack. So that's why I feel like I feel like she would have pawned that thing and been like, I think it'd been more in her actual how character. Do you, how to, do you pawn? You don't just well, take that saying. to the pawn shop. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like she pawns <laughs> it for like minimal money and it's like, I don't even care. 
No. Because she clearly doesn't care about the money. She drops so it she in the ocean. So she just ditches it. She saves right, it to but, drop it in the ocean to be with Jack again she when she dies. But she saves it for what? That would be, she dies at, all right, oh, she's over 100. The actual actress is 87 in the film. But so that's 80, so 80 plus years her, that she's holding on to this heart of the ocean. Her heart will go like, on because her heart is in the that's ocean. Cal's, that's Cal's heart though is my point. You're thinking too much about this movie. You're thinking I guess you're much. right. Because really, you know realistically, she's got that. Doesn't she have that jacket on when they're in the water? Yep. Yeah, so it's gone. that motherfucking thing is gone. There's no After way. They're running from all the waters that we're trying to. They're, and they ju- they ju- they're they they're underwater. That thing's yeah. gone. So yeah. listen, if you want to get any, re- if you want to get realistic here, we're talking some. This is like, it's like I tell my students when they were, they got angry about something in one of the zombie movies we watched and i was like you are watching a movie where the dead come back to life and your problem is that the door wouldn't have stayed locked i i agree and i think with her not even knowing about it in her pocket it would have been gone long before oh yeah gone although maybe she knew and she held on to it who fuck it it doesn't matter we are just sort of dwelling on pointless things at this point yeah it's a good it's a good movie is it did it deserve all the oscars it got maybe not and is it a better movie than moonlight absolutely not i would also agree that it's not a better movie than moonlight but if you want to know specifically and often how i feel about the movie moonlight you should go to our patreon page and become a patron of the arts for just the low, low price of five dollars a month. Five dollars. That's all, all it that is. Bonus content. Because listen, you want to listen to what Matt and I had to say about Moonlight because we're going to be talking about this for months. It's going to be. It's going to be the the axe in the log between us for for decades to come. Decades. In fact, decades. we're not we're not even Centuries. friends anymore after this. We now are we just have, doing this we have disavowed we have one another, and now we are just <laughs> shackled to the podcast. It's the only thing keeping mommy and daddy together. (laughs) One last thing. Dear listener, if you are listening on your iPhone or iDevice, in the newest update, they have changed it so that you can rate and review our podcast in-app. It's really easy. Oh, thank God. You just go into it. Please, please, if you're out there listening in, in India, we've got listeners in India. If you're using an iPhone or an iDevice, anybody in Sri Lanka, we've got people everywhere. Take just that. Take a second. It's so easy. It used to be really hard to figure it out. It was a bunch of bullshit. Now you can do it in the app. Rate and review. It would mean the world to us. Even if you don't pay $5 to hear our Moonlight episode, if you could rate and review, I will give you a cookie. Matt will give you a slice of pizza. You'll be my That's friend. Right. Pizza Cat will hand deliver it. So that is our episode. Next week, we are back on Patreon for our generous, generous supporters. Ethan, do you have a film for them to tease them with what they'll be hearing? Well, I guess I've been doing favorite movies, haven't I? You have been. I've been doing current ones. You've been doing favorites. We'll probably do a switcheroo at some point. Yeah, probably. Well, let's keep up with my favorites. Why don't we do... Oh, let's do a good one. Since we watched a love story that has nothing to it, let's do 500 Days of Summer. Oh my goodness, 500 Days of Summer. A movie I particularly enjoy. Oh, good. Yeah, we're going to have a little fun time there. So it'll be a good cleanser after Moonlight back on the Patreon page. Oh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> and then a week after that, we'll be back here on wherever you buy your podcasts for free. You exchange $0 or zero monies and receive a podcast from us. And so when we come back, 
back here on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, what have you. We're watching the movie Sunrise, number 82 on the list. Yes. So until then, I'm Matt Bazell. And I am Pizza Cat. No, I'm not. I'm Ethan Knight. And there will be spoilers. Ooh, 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 there will be spoilers. There Will Be Spoilers is hosted by Matt Bazell and me, Ethan Knight. It's produced each week by Matt Bazell. Our artwork is by Becca Knight. You can find her on Twitter at Becca the Knight. Our great music was produced and created by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You can check him out all over the internet. You can always find us on Twitter at SpoilersCast. And you can find us on Patreon if you would like to support us for only $5 a month. Also at Patreon.com slash SpoilersCast. Our email continues to be SpoilersCast at gmail.com. So send us some complaints hate mail and maybe a compliment or two remember please subscribe to us on soundcloud itunes or stitcher and we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on itunes it really helps thank you so much This is apparently a silent film. I I don't know what you want from me.